0: Hey friends, welcome to Wild Confidence Podcast, where we help one another find, keep, and share our confidence in Christ. I'm your host, Ainsley B. It's an honor to bring you some inspiring conversations with amazing guests. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to kindly ask if you'd leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who might like it. I'd also love to connect on Instagram, so find me at Ainsley B. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Let's get to know our guest. Today's guest is Joshua Broom. There was a six-year period of his life where he was one of the most successful adult film stars in the world. Today, he is a passionate communicator of a message of restoration, healed through the life-giving power found in Jesus, and spent years replacing lies with God's truth. Today, he has been married for five years, has three sons, and has devoted his life to those who feel like their life is over because of a circumstance or situation it's never too late to change the course of your life. Let's hear from Joshua Broom. Joshua, I actually, I think I saw your story on TikTok and I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like I need to know more. I need to have this conversation and absolutely needed you to come on Wild Confidence because your story is so compelling. And um, I think there's, probably the most hope i've ever heard in a story absolutely and you're just doing so much for the kingdom so can you just tell us a little bit about your story for people yeah. who don't know because yeah, I, but...
1: I, I i love i love that you said that there was hope in our story because um i won't spoil it i'll wait Well, let's just hang on to that okay. I, it'll it'll produce a really neat um bit of audio but um yeah my story Uh, In a nutshell, I started modeling when I was 14 or 15. I went to college to study theater. And in the middle of that, I decided to, you know, if if I moved to Hollywood and put myself in closer proximity to the industry that I wanted to pursue, that just made sense for me. So I moved to LA. I was living in Hollywood and things were going okay, got an agent um, for modeling and for acting. And... I wanted to act, but I was having more success modeling, and in the process, just like most people that move out to LA, I had to get a secondary job to pay the bills, and I found myself working at this restaurant, and this restaurant is on Sunset Boulevard, um, going through the middle of Hollywood into West Hollywood. Um, it's, It's called Saddle Ranch Chop House. There's like mechanical bull in the middle of it. It's been in a ton of movies, but it's just like... A super chaotic place. It's like a really dope restaurant with good food. And then at 10 PM, it turns into something else. Um, so it's like, if I went back there, which I would, um, you know, great food, great people, but at 10 o'clock it turns into spring break. You know, it's, (laughs) it, it gets crazy, but I was working there. And while I was working there, I walked over to a table. I was waiting tables. I walked over to a table and there were four girls sitting there And they asked me if I've ever been interested in acting. And I was like, absolutely. That's why I'm here. And I thought it was going to be, you know, they're going to introduce me to someone or maybe they're working on a project or they knew somebody or something, but they actually were talking about pornography. And I was just like, I've seen it, but I never considered like being in it or anything like that. And they're like, well if you want, we'll introduce you to our agent. And that like, for some reason, like them saying, like, introduce us, like introduce me to their agent. It, it was familiar language. And for some reason it made it less weird. Mm -hmm. And I said, sure, I'll meet with this guy. And I had like the, the just like my preconception of what I was about to walk into was going to be like super sketchy, super weird. But I walked into this very nice business complex, walked into this guy's office. You know, he's wearing a three three piece suit, you know, double Windsor tie, like English guy, like, you know, it looked very professional. And he asked me a few questions and he was like, how did you grow up? Um, What is it that you want to, you know, what is it that you want to do with your life? And why are you here in L.A.? And in retrospect, very uh, manipulative questions. Mm. And that, um, you know, I I grew up with just a mom, you know, just so I grew up with my mom. Um, I I want to act and I'm here to be famous. And he was like, "Okay, great. Um, I think that um, there's not a ton of good looking guys in the industry and your your ability to act, it would be advantageous for you because the industry is. It's shifting to making all these like parodies of movies and like major films. And you being able to act, it allow yourself to, you know, be very successful. You'll be able to be the lead in these movies and this and that. And you know, you'll travel, you'll make all this money, so on and so on. And for me, um, I was really unsure of like who I was as a person. Um, I grew up without a dad and growing up without a father. And that being in, so he lived in the same town that I lived in. So my mom got pregnant with me when she was sixteen, and me seeing this person who was my father, but he was he he was never my dad. Mm. It was it was challenging because I literally saw him like get married, you know, have other kids, have a family, and they had a very healthy family dynamic. Um, like my mom is amazing. Like, I, sure. I always want to say that my mom's amazing. Um, we did struggle financially, but I never went without anything I needed. But they were you know, more financially secure. They, they had the, uh, you know, the normal family dynamic. And it left me saying, you know, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have that? Why doesn't he want me? And that paired with a high achiever personality that caused me to believe that I needed to prove my worth and that. Um, those momentary accomplishments, whether they be through scholastics or sports or getting the gig or, or, or proving myself or, or whatever else, I believe those moments they they provided, you know, a, a bandaid on the wound that was in my heart, and that's the way I live my life. So I go to that moment where he's like, "You can be famous. You can do that. You can do this," and knowing in my gut, it's a bad decision. Like, sure no one walks into that thinking, Oh, this is a good thing. (laughs) Um, and it's just true. It's like, I, I, my mom raised me better than that. I knew it wasn't a good thing. Um, I, at, at the time I probably wasn't thinking about it, but in reality, I had to know that that was going to compromise, you know, my credibility and my image regarding like being in the mainstream industry. Um, And I was kind of seeing someone at the time. So I knew all those things were not good. But because of my lack of truly believing in myself, I I found myself thinking, well, maybe this is close as I'm going to get to becoming the person that I want to be. Or maybe this is close as I'm going to get to obtaining the life or the, the level of accolades or achievements that. I want to pursue. So I said yes to his offer to do a film. And little did I know that one yes was going to almost immediately change the rest of my life. Because once I said yes, that one film performed really well and it it spread like wildfire. And very quickly, my likeness was tied to it, which led both of those agents ending my contract um, I had to tell this girl that I was seeing that I had done this. So obviously she told me to take a hike and she was really respected. Like she was almost like the nucleus of all of my friends in the industry. Um, she was a very successful, um, hip hop dancer and she had been in like several music videos and she was, um, you know, she was actually from, uh, somewhat from like the same area I was from. And, um, very respected. So the fact that I, I hurt that person. Um, so that, that caused this weird, um, it's just weird tension, like with all of my friends. And then my mom found out. And then like, when my mom found out, it was like the most awkward, um, shameful conversation that maybe I've ever had because, um, she's like, so I heard from this person that, that you were doing this. Is that true? And I wasn't going to lie to my mom. So I, I tell her that I did that. And she's like, you're, why? Like you're so much better than that. And that never changed. But I believed that this mistake had essentially defined the rest of my life. So that one scene turned into me doing a thousand movies and me being in the industry for six years And being nominated for 18 different awards. Uh, I got nominated for best male performer three times and I won it in 2012. And along the way, you know, I I believed that you know traveling all over the world um, would make me happy. I went to everywhere I ever wanted to go. It didn't work. Um, I'm very like, I'm very goal driven, very like statistics driven, like just data driven. And once I eclipsed a million dollars of earnings, I thought like, okay, like once I eclipse that, you know, I'll feel validated it didn't work. And then I thought, okay, well, if I win the, if I win male performer of the year, like I I, I could say I'm the best, I'll feel good about myself. And when I won the award, it was kind of like the straw that broke, you know, the camel's back in that. I put so much value in winning that award and thinking that it was going to make me feel in a way that I had so much like expectations regarding that, that award. When I won it, I fell apart because it didn't work. Like the money didn't work. Mm -hmm. The travel didn't work. Success didn't work. And there's just this, this massive hole, like in my heart that when it didn't fill it, it, the depression that was slowly escalating amplified in a, in a, in a way where I started asking myself, well, if this is the rest of my life, maybe, maybe I just don't want to live. And I started seriously contemplating like how I would take my life. And I, I did, I did one last scene and then I had the check and like, like, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll deposit this check and then I'm going to, you know, do do something to just make this pain go away. And I walk into the bank and I go to deposit this check and normally I would throw it in the ATM because on the memo of the check, it said the title of the movie or or whatever the production company was, which is, all, which was always vulgar. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to face that music. So I didn't want to have an interaction with a teller and then know what I was being compensated for. So I, I'd always go to the ATM, but this day, this just wasn't a a, a possibility. And I was like, well, I don't want to just hold on to this check. And I slid it across the table. She put it in, gave me my, my receipt. And as I walk away, she said, Joshua, are you okay? What? Joshua, yeah. yeah. She's so like, Joshua, is there something I can do for you? And that was so powerful for me because along the way, I'd slowly disconnected myself from all of my friends, all of my family. I'd stopped talking to my mom. I stopped talking to my brother because of, I had so much shame that I was like, what value can I have? Hmm. It's really like, I I think even more so anyone living life like in sin, I, I would find it really hard to look like, look at the people in the eye that okay. truly know you and truly love you and then say, you're better than that. Why are you doing this? I love you, but you're better than that. And that was always my mom. Like my mom was like, I love you to pieces, but you're better than that. You're better than that. So I, I couldn't face I couldn't face that accountability. So I pushed her away and I lied to myself and told Mm. myself that it was because I was ashamed. But reality is I just didn't want to feel that conviction. Mm. And so after like at that situation at the bank, when I heard my name, it had been over a year since I heard anyone say my name, because in that industry, everyone goes by pseudonyms. So I was going by a fictitious name that Mm. I allowed my barber the, the people at the gym that I went to, um, everyone that I interacted with on a daily basis called me by that stage name because Joshua had just faded away and didn't really exist. And like in that moment, she spoke my name, um, which is awesome if like Joshua means God saves. And um, and I heard it and just like, I, like what I felt was conviction, like immediately thought, like it immediately like shattered the numbness of, like, this fictitious life that I built, you know, on, on lies and shame, and um, I was like, man, I, I, I need to call my mom, you know, because I felt, I just knew, like, all she wanted to know was that I was okay, and I was robbing her of that, and I just felt so horrible about that, and I I called my mom, and then after you know, a lot of tears and, uh, a lot of conviction. I, I just picked up the phone and I called my agent and I was like, I quit. I was in a contract with a production company. I quit. Uh, I called my PR person and put out a press release and I quit. And, um, you know, that, that, that process was in like 2012, in like beginning in 2013 when, when all that happened. And, um, it's like ran home, ran home to my mom. And I, I wish that the story would have escalated and like that happens and then my life was awesome. But it was two years of just like it was terrible for two years because from the outside looking in, I was like, if, if not the most famous, like one of the most famous like adult film stars in the world. And you're seeing me work at a gym. I say I was working at a gym, and I was working at Whole Foods. Like, and it's like, just like trying to be like, I just wanted to be a normal person. Yeah. Um. I didn't want to like, but like literally day one, aren't you that? Wait, aren't you? You're that. You're that guy, aren't you? And like, it was everywhere because like, even if it wasn't like the hardcore stuff, um, like in like like 2010 to 2015 it was like really popular like with um like skinamax like hbo after dark so there were there were these essentially these like very like provocative romance movies that were you know terrible acting terrible production quality and it was like basically like like pornography but it but it wasn't like it wasn't hardcore pornography but it was just like very like sleazy stuff, but it would come on after dark, um, which that doesn't happen anymore. You know, it just comes on at any time. Yeah. But like, so that was everywhere. So I was, I was in like 50 of those. So, and then it was just everywhere. So I couldn't run from it. And then for two years, just like constantly looking over my shoulder, it's like, you know, I would lie and say, you know, I'm, I was in LA just doing whatever. And then I would get found out. And I was, I was actually so ashamed about everything about my life. I was making up stories about my dad. Like I would say he was like somewhere else or say that he was dead. I just like, I was so ashamed that the truth was that he lived in the same town. And just like in, in my eyes, like he just didn't want me. Right. And, um, so that, that went on for two years, but in, in the middle of that, I'm working at a gym and it's like, whatever I do, like I'm going to win because, like my, my mom instilled in me like great work ethic. And it's just like my personality, it's like, whatever I'm doing for good or for bad, I'm going to give it my all. And just really grew quickly in the the health and fitness space and went from, you know, like cleaning bathrooms and, you know, like cleaning up parking lots and, and coaching the classes that no one wanted to coach to being in management in about a two year period. And it, while I was in management, this girl walks in the gym and I ask her out on a date and she says no, but she's like, okay, we can go for a run. And we go on this run and um, on this run, I'm like, I'm just so tired of lying to people and getting found out. And, you know, I would, I would see someone, then they would find, they would find out about my past and I, and I I withheld that truth from them and um, which was hurtful. And um, just, that happened over and over and over again with friendships, with jobs, with opportunities, with, girls and I was just so sick of it. So I was just like, I'm just going to tell her and, you know, let the cards fall wherever they may. I'm just like Mm -hmm. so tired of like carrying this lie with me all the time. So it's just like, I'm just going to tell you that way, you know, and you can respond accordingly. So I tell her and she's just like, you know, deer in headlights. Like, I can't believe I heard what I just heard because, you know, I just thought I was going on a run with this guy that, you know, I thought was cute or whatever. And, um, and then she looks at me and says, well, I want you to know that a person's not defined by the worst thing they've ever done. And they're not defined by the greatest thing they'll ever accomplish. I believe that God defines who a person is. I just got chills. And yeah. And it's, and then she says like, do you know who God is? And I was like, you know, I, I put on my first date mask in that, like, I believed you know, since I didn't know who I was, I just wanted to be whoever the person sitting across from me wanted me to be so that they would like me because I had no clue who I was. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe in God, which if you'd have asked me if I was a Christian, I probably would have said yes, because at that point in my life, in in most of my life, I believed I was a Christian based on, I that God was real and that he Mm -hmm. created everything, but that's where it ended. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God. Yep absolutely check mark. And she's like, okay, well, what's your relationship with Jesus look like? Like, what's your prayer life look like? Are you like in community anywhere? Like, are you going to church? And I was like, I mean, she might've well been speaking another language to me at that time. I I don't, I don't know the answers to your question. I, I guess, no, I guess. And, um, she said, well, I've been a Christian since I was in high school and you know, this is what my walk is, with Jesus has been like. It's not been perfect, but, you know, I I, I trust him with my life. And, you know, his, faith in him, like, is, is you know, the cornerstone of my life. And then she's like, well, what kind of food do you like? What like, you know, what's your family like? And I was just like, you don't want me to leave? And yeah. we just had this great conversation and just shared, like, family dynamics and likes and dislikes and things like that and you know and then i left and we spent the rest of that week like texting like high school idiots you know like (laughs) and um she when sunday came around she said hey um there's this church um it's not the church that i normally go to but there's this church that a lot of people from the gym go um would you like to go and i was like yeah let's let's do it you know she's Cause she'd like create this curiosity in me. Mm-hmm. And we go to this church, we go to this church. And when we got there, there was this wooden plaque that said, um, we want to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I was like, I don't know if you want to love me where I'm at. Like, you don't know how bad I am. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, you don't know how dirty I am. And I I go in, and I sit down and I grew up in a very legalistic church um, you know, like three-piece suit, you know, pastor, you know, hell, you know, fire and brimstone, you know, if if there's if you have a tattoo or a wrinkle in your shirt, you're going to hell, you know. Oh gosh. And, yeah. <laughs> and this guy gets up there in, you know, cowboy boots, jeans, and a t-shirt, and starts talking about how how Jesus changed his life and how Jesus was his friend and how. Um, through knowing him and in his truth, just like changed his life, and he wanted everyone to know him. He started telling the story in First Samuel about Mephibosheth and how he was expecting death, and then in instead of David having him killed, he restored his land and um invited him into his family. And then he just pivoted into like how everyone, you know, like Romans 3:23 said, that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6:23 says the wages of sin is death. So if we're all guilty. And we're all just awaiting death. What, what are we to do? And that is the very place that Jesus meets us. And he is the person that builds that bridge between us and God. And he's the only bridge to take. And he's the only bridge that exists. And it just, it was the beauty and the, the simplicity of it. And just the way that he was talking about the father, it it just made its way from my head to my heart. And I gave my life to Jesus, like in that moment. Oh my and that gosh. was, and, 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 and back to your question. Uh, so, or your statement, you said that um, you love, love the story of hope in my life. Um, so that person who invited me on that, that run, um, her name is Hope. And she's been my wife for six years. Oh
0: my gosh! I was <laughs> hoping that's who this was.
1: <laughs> and yeah, and we have we have three beautiful kids, um, all boys. But my wife, Hope, led me to find wow. hope in Jesus and the church. Um, it was called Hope Community Church, and our <laughs> ministry is called Finding Hope. But lots of hope in our. Oh story. my
0: gosh, that's incredible! Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh yeah. my so, gosh. So that, that's how I went from, uh, you know, where, where I was in the industry, how I got in the industry and how I come to know Jesus. And a lot of stuff has happened. So that was almost eight years ago and lots of has happened since then.
0: Yeah. Because you're a pastor now, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So I, so that same week I, um, I went to, I went, well, that like that Sunday happened. And then the following week I went to church and I was like, Hey, um, I, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Here's, here's this story that I have, and I just want to do something with it. Um, can, can you help me like understand the Bible? And I was supposed to meet with this person. Um, his name's Andrew Yates. And he was just, he's, he was supposed to just show me, you know, here is um, just basic context, understanding how to read the Bible, just, you know, interpretate uh, observation, interpretation, application, like this, is this is how you can read the Bible so you can better understand it. And that was, it was supposed to be for 30 minutes. And that's what we had planned on and decided on. Instead, that 30 minutes turned into three hours. And that three hours turned into four years where he mentored me and I, ended, I interned underneath him and in the process, I, I went to Liberty University and studied Christian ministries with a focus on um, biblical theology. And uh, I'm in the process of pursuing um, a master's in theology now. But yeah, so I, I went from that. And then in the process, I had the opportunity to go to a radio station and share my testimony for the first time to someone outside of, you know, just people standing in front of me, at, you know, in an, in an office or one on one conversation. And it was it was pretty much the same thing. Just you know, me sitting there with a guy. That, there was just a microphone there, and then he he asked me a few weeks later. He's like, "Hey, I'm having this event. Would you mind sharing your testimony?" He's like, "Sure." And I, I, I was like, "How how how big of a deal could it be?" <laughs> and what I didn't know is that it was the fundraiser for his radio station for the entire year. So massive event, tons of people there.
0: Huge.
1: So for me, I even though you know salvation is instantaneous s- sanctification is a process and in my process yeah. i still had this belief of needing to be affirmed needing to prove myself in some capacity because now it wasn't i wasn't needing to earn my worth it was i believed that i had to prove that like i was i was more saved than i was not
0: mm-hmm. because
1: like people would hear my story and they'd be like oh my gosh like are you sure you're a Christian? You know? And I was going to, I was going to prepare like I'm someone it's like, if you give me something to read, I can regurgitate it like that. Like, because it was just like theater background and like, Mm -hmm. and that was just how I was wired to communicate. So I, Wrote, you know, essentially a script for the talk that I was going to give. You know, I wanted to make people cry. I want to make people laugh, you know, this and that. And I had this script that I was going to read. And I get up there and I'm so nervous. And then I step up to the microphone. And before I start reading, I just felt like so overwhelmed. And I heard God speak to me, say, Son, I love you. And I realized like, there's nothing to prove. There's nothing that I could ever do to make him love me anymore. And there's nothing I could ever do to make him love me any less. Like mm-hmm. he loves me because I'm his. He doesn't love me because of what I do or what I don't do. And I, I put the paper down. I told my testimony in about three minutes and I shared the gospel for the rest of the time. And I was like, It was probably terrible, you know, like it probably wasn't very good. I probably misspoke on a lot of things, but like, I, I, I left feeling like, gosh, there's nothing else I want to do with my life. And like from that moment, um, so at that moment, you know, that was five, five or six years ago and like in the process, like my wife and I, we, we opened our own gym and that went really well. And then we opened another gym. And that went really well. And I was doing like some online personal training and I was just like, everything I want to do like from today forward is to prepare our family so that I can just share the gospel. Like, that's all I want to do. And we've been making decisions strategically so that like, that is what we do with our lives. So we ended up, you know, I, I had the opportunity to step on a step on staff at a church in Oklahoma three years ago and when we did that, we we gave the gym away, and um, yeah, and that and that's kind of been my story. Like the like the last three years has been you know a hundred percent like me me pastoring and ministering and traveling and talking and 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 doing um, stuff and meeting cool people like you and just in just telling my story and, and sharing the gospel with as many people as will listen
0: it's literally like I'm on the edge of my seat, which I already knew was going to happen, but it's so true that your story is so life-changing because it's also not that long ago.
1: Right. You know, like like this. Yeah, like less than a decade. Yeah.
0: Less than a decade. And to see this radical life change, it's so like, or so, I don't know, reflecting of the disciples and how like, some of them literally just dropped everything and followed him and that's truly kind of what you did is you like canceled everything and made an adjustment and maybe that wasn't like you know you still had those two years of working at the gym and everything but yeah I mean it's like that
1: yeah it's like I, I can relate a lot with both like Paul and Peter in that like Paul like you know it's like gosh how like you did you did all this porn. Like, how can you like go around sharing the gospel? And it's like, people will like share with me. It's like, here's like, do you like fall under these qualifications like for a pastor in like first Timothy? And I'm like, do you know who wrote first Timothy? (laughs) He murdered Christians. I've not killed one person, not one, (laughs) not one person. And, and, and then, and then it's like, if you look at the, if you look at Peter's life, like you're talking about, like he has this interaction with Jesus where, you know, Jesus is like, who are you? It's like, I'm a fisherman. He's like, no, you're a fisher of men. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Jesus asked Peter, who am I? He says, you're, you know, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. He's like, great. You're going to be the rock. You're going to be the OG rock. You know, he was the rock before the rock was a rock. And, <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to build my church upon you. And then, uh, he calls him, you know, and and then they have this interaction where he calls Peter Satan, you know, like Peter, it, Jesus was saying that he was going to lay down his life. And, you know, he's like, he's like, no way. And then he says, get behind me, Satan. So literally calls Peter Satan. And you think, how could it get any worse? The creator of all <laughs> things calls you Satan. No, it gets worse. He denies him three times once, um, you know, scripture says that, you know, they, they were in, in close enough distance where there were. Uh, in eye I contact with one another. And then Jesus has this interaction with Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then you go from Peter that was, you know, a fisherman to he was called. He saw Jesus do all these miraculous things. He still denied him. Jesus met him. And then you have Acts 3, where Peter's preaching a sermon to a Jewish audience, him being Jewish, saying, how could you deny Jesus? <laughs> you had him crucified, and he's preaching with such zeal and such passion because he's like, "Hey, I, I know because I denied Jesus. I here. had had I had Jesus crucified. Yeah. I, like my sin put him on the cross too, and." I, I speak with such passion and zeal because like I understand the cost of my sin and I understand the blessing of turning away from my sin and turning to Christ. and that is where life is found. And it's just like I love I love the you know the up and down story where Peter was not perfect. He failed miserably yet Jesus still met him, He loved him and restored him and repurposed his pain and even his mistakes for his glory.
0: Yes, absolutely, and I think people forget like the people that Jesus was meeting and encountering and surrounding himself with. I mean, we're literally talking about murderers, um, tax collectors, prostitutes, yeah. like
1: adulterers. You know, why like, are we like? like it, yeah, it's the yeah.
0: same. The, the same occupations are the same thing. People present themselves. or are here today that christians are like oh no we right. cannot and that's not it that's not it that's not jesus yeah, and, like his heart is it, to rescue people
1: yeah 100 and i i think a lot of that comes from like we are a very especially like western culture is a very like consumer heavy culture mm-hmm. so if my if my experience with jesus is that i go to church on sunday i hear a sermon from a pastor. Um, I, I'm not reading the Bible myself. I'm just listening to what he says. and It's my, it's my dose or my dopamine of feel good for the week. When I'm challenged, when I see people with stories like mine, and I don't have an, like an interpersonal relationship with Jesus, or when life happens, I'm going to fall away because I don't yeah. truly have a relationship with Christ. It's so, it's so important for like people who are, it's, it's great to, be inspired by people. It's, it's, it's healthy to be led by pastors and it's healthy to be planted in a church, but that pastor can't save you. That church can't save you. That worship song can't save you. And if you don't have an inner, like an independent dependency on Jesus, like through you, not because of your parents, not because of how you grew up, no, you know, like where you grew up none of that matters. Like if you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus and you have a relationship with him, you're just as lost as the murderers and, and everyone else. Absolutely. Y'all it is happening. I am so excited to
0: finally bring you the book that I've been working on called don't date a boo-boo dude. It is a guide to raise your standards, realize your worth, and remove shame from the dating game. I'm writing this book on a mission that girls everywhere will embrace a wild confidence in their identity in Christ and fulfill the calling that God has placed on their lives. Y'all, it's time to raise the bar, link arms, and fix our crowns. The book is available now. Go get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places, all the things. I'm so excited to share this with you. One of my favorite authors is, her name is Lisa Harper. She has this like analogy that we're just pipes and the we are conduits or pipes for living water to flow through us. And sometimes whenever people are so thirsty, they cling to the pipe instead of the living water. That's good. And I love that because I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Like we are just conduits. We are just people. And yeah. our job is just to give these people living water and, it, yeah. and let them experience it as the living water that it is not as the, as us being. Yeah. And I, and I think there's so much,
1: and there's so much beauty in like each and every person's uniqueness, like your skin color, like where you're from, like your specific story, like all those things, because again, like we live in a culture of like filters and fake things and comparison (laughs) and wanting to be like people and you actually rob yourself of the the beauty and the power of your purpose. Because mm-hmm. like, if you fully embrace your personality and say what David said, like Psalm 23, it's like, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what he's saying is, I have experienced what it's like pursuing my path, my plan. So I want to die to my pride. I want to die to my desire so that I can pursue the life that you have laid out for me because there's gifts and talents in each and every person, and if you utilize them and step into your identity, there's actually a path for your life, and it's going to be a lot easier because God has given you everything you need to be successful in that path, and it's the very reason that you exist. The very reason you exist is to give God glory. Yep. So that should take all the pressure off. Like, like that should relieve like tons of stress and anxiety because. It's like, man, if my life is not about me and there's nothing I'm supposed to do, the pressure is off. Like you've encountered Christ. Amazing. As long as you're here each and every day, each and every interaction, if you can reveal Christ through your interactions um, in your life, like that is why you're here. And yeah. it's that, it is that simple. And God will do miraculous things through your life through simple acts of obedience. And we think, you know, we, we can get caught up even as Christians thinking, oh, I got to do this and I got to accomplish this. And what is it that God wants me to do? It's like, God wants you to know him and mm-hmm. obey him. And, you know, John, uh, I'm sorry, uh, John, uh, I think it's 14, 13 or 13, 14, where it's like, um, if you love me, you obey my commandments. And if you understand the tone of God, that he's not saying, if you love me, you'll you'll do what I say. He's saying, if you love me, do what I say, because my words are here and my laws are here to protect you from yourself. I love you. Like, don't touch the stove. It's hot. You'll get yes. burned. Yeah. So I don't want you to get burned. I don't want you to I don't want you to get hurt. I want to protect you from yourself. So even though you might seem like or feel like something is good, um, if it doesn't align with God's word, it's not best.
0: Mm hmm. I think there's something that really draws me to your story because um, I grew up acting from whenever I was five years old until, I don't know, 25 or something like that. And I would go to LA in the summers and for pilot season, stuff like that, audition, yada, yada, yada. And um, I had this manager. This was, this was in 2013. So the So we're both like in that world right now because what I'm saying is that I got in this audition and it wasn't from my manager. I had I had gotten it from a friend, like, and it was for a very popular show on Comedy Central. And I was to play a porn star in the in the show. So it wasn't like an a pornographic film, but it was a sitcom and I was that's what I was going to play. And I was, I got the script and I was like. I don't think I can even say these things. Like, I'm like, I don't think I can do this at all. So I didn't go to the audition and my manager. Well, first of all, absolutely destroyed me verbally and told me I was never going to work in the industry again. And that um, like, she, I, she fired, you know, our relationship, she fired me, I guess, and was never going to work with me again. And I was just like, okay, um, well that's that. So then that night, I'm, you know, crying and I'm like, Lord, you gave me these, this passion. You gave me this talent. You gave me these things. Like, what am I supposed to do with this now? Right. And I went to sleep and I had the first prophetic dream I think I've ever had. And it was a warning kind of dream. And it was me in LA, like living where I was living and hanging out with some friends, um, in a club and, it was, I was like drunk and kind of like really out of control in my own body and out of control of my life. And I had totally lost myself to yeah. the industry. Um and I think like when I woke or when I woke up from the club, I was like pregnant and I didn't know what to do and I had nothing. So then when I woke up in real life, I was like okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, okay, uh, this isn't for me, I guess. Like, I guess you're telling me like, this isn't the time. And, yeah. you know, I wasn't like incredibly spiritually mature at the time, but I could tell that that was right. not a coincidence kind of dream. Yeah. And for it to have stuck with me to this day, it's just kind of like, I know that that's true. I know that that was a warning yeah. in the way that I received warnings. So whenever I'm thinking back on my story, I always think, um, Wow, really. I, sometimes the part of me is always wonders like, what if I would have just stayed and figured it, and you know, right? Then stayed acting. But the other part of me is like, no, he's he's still reading my my story, and my passion, and you know, I'm speaking and teaching, and and um, that's how I express that yeah that background of acting yeah. and how how much I love it. But then I'm hearing your story, and what I love about your story is that it was. It is also redeemed. And 100%. even if I would have stayed, it kind of almost answers that question for me, you know, like, would I have been okay? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. he redeems all things, and all things work together for the good of those who love him. And yeah, so yeah. I, I lo- just yeah. I love, I love your story because it's yeah. all the paths. Yeah. I, I, lo- I
1: yeah, I love like Romans 8:28. It's like it's all things, it's not some things, it's all things. And and just like you we were saying. Um, that that's why I, I encourage people, it's like, man, uh, we need to be praying for people who are incredibly successful that are far yeah. from God because God puts those passions, those gifts, those, you know, those those abilities, those ta- like all those things. Like God creates everyone like that. And as they progress, like for me, it was, you know, like communicating in a very early age to like theater to like improv to mm-hmm. like even within the, the, the adult film industry like getting to act every single day like even though it was for a horrific thing um that i'm i'm you know by no means proud of like it, along the way like god was sharpening my craft so sure. even in that it's like and then my my under you know i start coaching it's like my ability to to lead leaders and communicate regarding, you know, leading a a large group of people. And then like understanding it's like, there's just something about, you know, it, the way that communicate, like, if I want someone to know something, I want someone to feel something. And then I want someone to take or a group of people to take that knowledge and those emotions, and then point them to action. And, and when I told my mentor, Andrew, this, he's like, well, that's how you preach a really good sermon. <laughs> like yeah. I was like, really, and it's <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, um, you know, when when I preach, there's a lot of things that I used along the way. To your point, where um, yeah, like God has redeemed and repurposed passions that I've what I've always had, but now they're pointed in the right direction, so yeah. I can amplify Him, not amplify myself.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so good. If you just need a little more guidance on how to stay productive and get everything you need to stay on track and achieve your goals, I have created a field guide for you. If you head to my website, ainsleybritton.com and you click on field guides, it'll take you right to the how to stay productive field guide, and it will be everything you need to achieve your goals and chase your dreams. So if you could tell one thing to your younger self, what would that be?
1: That you're good enough. Mm -hmm. Because like, I I believe that I wasn't. And I believe that, I mean, that's why, gosh, like one of my favorite things is um, to lead a talk prior to baptism, because if you think about Jesus Jesus has this interaction with John the Baptist, and he, he tells John the Baptist, hey, um, I, I know, creator of all things, you know, I, I breathe everything into existence. I want you to baptize me. And John the Baptist is like, bro, like, I'm not even fit to untie your sandals. Like, what? You want me to baptize you? Uh, and But he does it out of obedience, and Jesus gets baptized, and we hear um, for one of the few times in Scripture the audible voice of God. And God says, this is my son who I am well pleased. And I let people know when you do small acts of obedience, because bat- baptism doesn't save you, it's, it's a symbolism of an internal decision, and it's an outward expression. And When you outwardly express through small acts of obedience, you know, that you are dying to yourself and you are giving your life to Christ, God's looking at you and he's saying, sister. I'm proud of you, daughter. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you because that is the thing that I desperately wanted to hear my entire life. And it's not the big things. It's the small things. And God is looking at you saying, I'm so proud of you. And it's like, that is the thing that I needed to hear. And I, and I love sharing that with people.
0: I love that too. I love everything that you're doing. Uh, please tell me there's a book coming in the future. Yes.
1: Yeah. So um, I have a literary agent and we, uh, we we like the, the proposal should be done within, I said July 1st, but like I, I've been traveling a ton. It's like, I did, I did something for turning point USA, then Candace Owens, then Tucker, you know, Tucker Carlson. Then I was in DC and then I was in Dallas this past week. And, it's just been crazy. I, I preached, I preached um, at two different churches in New York this past weekend. But um, I, my literary agent is going to kill me if I don't finish <laughs> this proposal. But um, it, it's it's almost done, so the the proposal will be out, and we're we're looking at like the fall of summer uh, of of next year. It should be out. But what I love even about like my story, like you were saying something about maturity. It's like I wanted to write a book. Five or six years ago. It's like I want to tell my story. Yeah. And as I matured, I I the desire to tell my story lessened and my desire to share God's story amplified. And so the story is not necessarily about my life um, start to finish, um, or like you know, then to now. Um, it's more so it, it's it's seven lessons of um, a secular truth, right? What the world says is a good thing. My experience with that thing, and then a practical and spiritual application, like takeaway of, you know, this is, this is what the world says is good. This is what God says is his best. This is my story regarding that thing. And then here's a takeaway from that. But so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of based on like my podcast is counterfeit culture and, um, you know, yes. I don't I don't want to say that's the title of the book because who knows, but um that that's kind of like the, the the working title so counterfeit culture, just um you know, like Romans 12, two, where it's like don't be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's that's kind of the book in a nutshell. I love and, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I'm excited about that and like probably like even more excited about the stuff. That happened in D.C. about two weeks ago. So I'm like fighting for legislation. Um, So legislation. So there's one piece of legislation, the EARN Act, and that's regarding um, uh, really clear and more more realistic boundaries for age verification. So, because right now anyone can go, anyone can consume um, pornography so easily, like 61% of all first time pornography consumption happens by accident. So through putting some kind of legitimate age verification to get access to any kind of sexually explicit site. Um, So that's the EARN IT Act that's going to Congress um, this fall. So that it has a really good chance of passing and wow. then the second thing is the Sissia Act, and the Sissia Act is really like, gosh, it would just be a god dream for me because part of it is you have the ability to revoke consent. So, meaning that if I revoke my consent, um, I theoretically I could, upon it, I could have a judge take down every single one of my movies. Yeah, and because I the in the in the real reason that's available. because So when I signed a contract to do this stuff, you're paid a one-time fee. So there's right. no royalties in pornography. Right. So okay. like, for example, there was something that I did 13 years ago that I was paid less than a thousand dollars for that's 13 years later, still being monetized and has been being monetized since. Yeah. Um, so it's through like, Hey, I don't want that to be there that's obscene. It's been 13 years since, you know, I was compensated for it. I don't want compensation. I just want it down. It's negatively impacting my life. And like, we believe that this act like with that, it, you know, you would have the ability to get stuff taken down without wow. having to try to buy your rights because the, the contracts were garbage anyway. But um, that, that's something that that's like, a god dream and, that, and the the consent, um that, that legislation uh it went to Congress two years ago and there were some problems with it and it didn't pass, but like that that is like my big hope. But I think the age verification is so important because it protects children. So um, as a dad of, of three boys and just someone who like desperately wants to protect people from experiencing that and just understands how dark it is. And also it's like, man, if, if my life can be a vessel of protection or blessing for someone else, then every single one of my efforts is worth it.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited about all the things that you're doing and following along for sure. Where can other people follow you on social media and your website and all of that?
1: Yeah, so um all of my social media is I am Joshua Broom and my website is joshuabroom.me. So broom like the most arbitrary like cleaning device ever, but just add an E on the end. But yeah, so my website Joshua Broom with an E dot me. Yeah.
0: And then your podcast is counterfeit culture.
1: Yeah. Counterfeit culture. So that's on the, um, so edify app edify.app produces that. So it's a, it's a sector of the Christian post, but edify.app, um, produces it. And you can find that podcast everywhere that you can consume podcasts anywhere.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us.
1: Well, it, it was my, it was my pleasure. It was fun.
0: Hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I pray that you're able to see yourself, how the Lord sees you. So you can hold your head a little higher and shine your confidence a little brighter. I would so appreciate if you would leave a review, subscribe, and share this with a friend. And of course, I want to stay connected with you. Find me on Instagram at Ainsley B. And my website is AinsleyBritain.com. See y'all later.